to Totalus Rankium. This week, Semi-I! Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium 2018. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And this is the first of our semi finals. Yeah. We're going to call it semi final one. Or I. Sorry, Thank you. sorry. Thank you. Yeah. And we are dealing with Caracalla, Valentinian, Augustus, and Constantius III. Okay, there's some, there's some big big names in this one. Well, two big names in this one. <laughs> yeah, you you could say that. You might be wondering, listeners, how, how we're going to do the semi-finals because we've already rated them and mm. then we've recapped them in the quarterfinals. Mm. So what do we do here? Don't know. Well, <laughs> do you not? Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a nice surprise for you then. <laughs> well, actually, what we have done is we have borrowed two rounds from our Roman Republic series. Ooh. And we are going to judge each one in these new rounds. Those two rounds are Infamous Notorious oh. and Mortis Memoriae. Nice. For those who are not a member of our Senate, we will briefly explain what these rounds mean when we reach them. But we're starting with... Infamous Notorious! Okay, this round, we look at three things. How much have they been remembered? How much actual impact have they had, good or bad? And... Is there any amazing detail that we feel should always be remembered about these people? Okay. And we're going to start with... Caracalla! Okay, so here we go. I've got a quote to start each one. This is not a quote from a famous person. No? No, this is a quote from the average person on the street. Oh. Yes. Did you do the thing where you just grabbed somebody and said, What do you think of Caracalla? Well, I, I grabbed someone and I said the four names who are in the semi-finals and said, right. Have you ever heard of... So when I said to this person, have you ever heard of Caracalla? The response was, and I quote, not sure, sounds familiar. Okay. So there we go. That's his, uh, right. that's how well he's remembered by the, the sample group, <laughs> I'm going to call it. <laughs> sample group of one. <laughs> what should we, should we give this person's name, our sample group? Simon. Simon. That's his actual name, isn't it? Sample Simon. Simon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was actually uh, Thea, my partner. But, okay. but. Let's keep her anonymous. Yeah. And let's call her slash him Sample Simon. Cool, okay. So Sample Simon is not sure whether they remember Caracalla. Okay. And I think that's probably a fair reflection on the public as a whole. Yeah. Had you heard of Caracalla before we'd start mm, this? Nope. Nope, okay then. Right, so name has not been remembered too well by the average no. person on the street. However, he has actually been well remembered throughout history. Because in the 12th century, Geoffrey of Monmouth... Do you think... Oh, yes. He wrote about Caracalla, and there is no doubt in my mind when I looked into this a bit more, Geoffrey of Monmouth is quite clearly a member of the Geoffrey I family. Is it kind of written crayon? <laughs> Essentially, he, he wrote the history of the kings of Britain. Now, this is a hugely famous piece of 12th century writing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there are many medieval history buffs listening, just scorning us, mocking Geoffrey here, but... Uh, we will. Because well, if you're writing Crown, you're not going to be taken seriously. But his history of the kings of Britain starts with the obvious beginning. Where would you start the history of Britain? Oh, I don't know. Pre-Roman, like Celtic, I guess. The fall of Troy. Oh. <laughs> yes. That's, that's where Britain starts, according to Jeff. Do you, do you think, then, like, this is somebody that loved, loved ancient Greece, 
love Mediterranean history. And somebody said, we need a book on Britain. Can you write it for me? Um, you've got to write it on your boss sort of thing. Yeah. And Jeffrey's just like, I don't want to do it. I want to write about the Greeks in the moment. And the boss is like, no, you have to write <laughs> well, it. Is that how he spoke? Yeah. yeah. You have to write it. Grab your best, sharpest crayons. I want you to write about Britain. Then starts with Troy just because he wants to. Uh, or the fact that no one had a clue what was going on in Britain. So uh, you've got to start somewhere. Well, look, someone's written about Troy. Let's say it started there. All right. Yeah, maybe that. But yeah, so it starts with Troy. Then it goes over to this new colony called Rome that uh, comes from Rome. Rome. Yeah, small little city. Hmm. And a man named Brutus is banished from Rome. So goes and sets up shop on a little island on the edge of the world. Brutus names it after him, therefore it becomes Britain. Brutus, Britain, weak link number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brutus's descendants rule for a while. All of this is covered. Some of them use magic and fly, so it's all good fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where I've looked into this literally for about five minutes because there wasn't enough time to look into it in detail, but I really want to now look into this in detail. <laughs> it sounds great. Eventually, Julius Caesar and Claudius turn up in roughly the correct places, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, eventually, it gets up to Severus. According to Jeff, Severus dies and wills Geta to become the king of the Britons. But the Britons prefer Bassianus. Bassianus, remember, is Caracalla's actual name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. Bassianus kills Geta, so Jeff got that part right. And then ruled Britain for many years until he in turn was killed by Carousius. Now, if you remember, Carousius was the uh, the guy who usurped in Britannia mm. under Diocletian and Maximian. They sent Constantius to defeat him. So there's a good 70-year gap. <laughs> right. There, so it's a little bit dodgy. But, yeah. but there you go. Bassianus was remembered in the 12th century, is what okay. I'm trying to say. All right. So there you go. He wasn't completely forgotten. Caracalla then pops up in the 18th century in France. Wow. Yeah. Long life. <laughs> Just lots of French peasants doing their work, and they turn around, and there's Caracalla staring at them. Oh, it's up. Scary. Halfway through. That's how the revolution started. Well, actually, yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, France were not happy with their monarchy at this time, as you've hinted, and Caracalla, with his distinctive look, made a perfect symbol of oppression. He was a tyrant from the past. They couldn't mm. outwardly criticise the current monarch, so they chose Caracalla to uh, oh. criticise, to uh, certainly have a dig at the monarchy. Tyrants, aren't they awful? So in his own small way, Caracalla helped the French Revolution. So people were revolting and fighting because they were angry at Caracalla. <laughs> yes, that's why the French Revolution happened. That's ridiculous. Well, no, no, obviously not. Caracalla. That's the reason why. <laughs> They had banners and everything. I've seen <laughs> photographs, Rob. Yeah, okay. It's, it was all against Caracalla. It's just a mis misunderstanding with the monarchy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He's wearing a hood. Kill him! Bonjour! Yeah. So there you go. That's, uh, that's Caracalla in the 18th century. Gibbon, when doing his very famous history of the Romans, called him, and I quote, the common enemy of mankind. <laughs> Which is just a wonderful phrase to describe okay. someone. So that, that's, uh, is he remembered? I think the answer is obviously yes. There are points throughout history where he has been remembered and referred to. Impact. Oh, he certainly had an impact, and not a good one. 
His treatment of the soldiers was not good for the Empire. The soldiers loved him. <laughs> Money! Because he increased their pay. Mm. But then they started to expect more and more, and this arguably leads to Thrax continuing this treatment and contributing to the crisis. However, this is somewhat simplified. You could argue that there were far more factors involved, but I think there's a, a compelling argument there. Yeah. So, there you go, he definitely had an impact. He helped contribute to the crisis of the 3rd century. Interesting facts for Caracalla. He had a pet lion. Yeah, he did. The name translates to sword or rapier. Or, as we have decided, Mr. Stabby. Yes. <laughs> it's one of those moments when doing my research where it suddenly occurred to me, oh, hang on, his, his name wasn't actually Mr. Stabby. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go and look back and find out what it actually was. It links. It but it definitely links. Yeah. I mean, it's rough translation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, instead of a literal translation, we've gone more for the feeling of the words. Yeah, very, very yeah. broad. Yeah, exactly. He wore a hooded cloak. Yeah, he did. He actually looked like an evil emperor. Fantastic. Yes. And he is our top Imagofacious scorer. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. That is Infamous Notorious for Caracalla. Score out of ten? I would say he's not that well known. No. Like the average person, average person on the street now probably wouldn't be able to say who he is. No. But if they saw his bus... Yeah, he's recognisable. He did have some impact, and the fact that people in the French Revolution were using images of him to uh, to show their dislike of tyranny, I mean, that's quite impressive. But, is it, but even now, though, like, you know, our sample size <laughs> yeah, clearly yeah. indicates... A scientific that, sample group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I think he's, he's better than quite a few emperors. I'm going to give him seven. Oh, I can't go that high. I'll only give him five. Okay, there's a total of 12 for Infamous Notorious then, which uh, is not bad. Oh, I forgot to mention at the start, these are scores we're going to use as just a guideline to decide who goes through at the end. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to pass them through based on these scores. No, it's uh, yeah, just a, a rough guideline. Okay, next up we're going to stick in Infamous Notorious, we're going to do all four Emperors before going on to the next round. Yeah, it's good to know. Yes. <laughs> the, um... <laughs> it's good that I keep you informed before we start recording, isn't it? <laughs> Keeps you on your toes, James. <laughs> it does. Constant on edge. So we're going to go next to... Valentinian! Okay, sample group. When asked, do you know Valentinian? The answer was, and I quote, no. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't heard of him before the podcast. I had, but I must admit, couldn't remember much about him. I remember a friend mentioning him once, but other, you know, other than that, I, you know, meh. Uh, I thought he said something to Valentine's Day. Let's face it, are they remembered? Well, he did do a lot. He won lots of battles against barbarians. He put down huge revolts. He stabilised the region better than most had ever managed before. He is sometimes described as the last great Western emperor. Mm. He was our fourth to last Jeanne César winner. So not many people got Jeanne César after him. However, you can't get away from the fact that he's just not well known. No. He's not. What about impact, though? He had an impact on immediate history. Mm. If you were living in the west of the empire at this time, you would have felt a lot safer for him being there. You would have felt, yes, this is going to have impact. The empire is improving. This is good. Will last from the thousand years. Maybe not here. Maybe somewhere in the east. <laughs> will last. Yeah. The trouble is, though, after his death, his brother loses at Adrianople, and the rise of the Theodosian dynasty overshadows any legacy that Valentinian may have had. Mm. Also, his children were useless. <laughs> yeah, they really were. So, unfortunately, impact, not really much. No. No. 
Interesting facts, though, and this is where he does win some points. Let's face it, it's the bears. It's so the bears. It's always the bears. Snowflake and... Goldflake. Goldflake Goldflake and innocent. He kept them in cages outside his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) He released innocence into the wild after he had killed enough people. We don't know what happened to Goldflake. Maybe Goldflake was released as well. Maybe she... Kept on as a servant. Maybe. Maybe she retired. Changed job roles within the palace. Economy minister. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps, however, at this point in the podcast, I should probably point something out. Some historians think... Don't rip this away from me, Rob. (laughs) Some historians think that the the bears are are just a, a parody, an analogy, reflecting his relationship with his advisors. These historians obviously come from the if it's fun and cool, it's obviously not true school of history and therefore need to go away. Yeah, so let's ignore that. We're definitely ignoring that. I I can't believe anyone would doubt this. The source clearly states the bears were there. I am not coming away from the sources with this one. No. No. That'd be unhistorian-y. Exactly. Definitely. So he, he's got the best. There's too many little details as well. Goldflake, Innocence, one of them being released into the wild. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying it's definitely true. So there you go. That's Valentinian's infamous notorious. It's not great, is it? It doesn't really echo through history, sadly. No, I mean, the bears probably echoed through the corridors of the palace. Yes, and the screams of the victims. Yeah, but uh, that's all that's echoing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to give a point each for the bears. <laughs> I'm going to give them a two. I'll, I'll match that. I'll give him a two as well. There's a four for his infamous notorious then. Next up. Augustus. Okay, sample group. Have you heard of Augustus? The reply, and I quote, was, yep. Okay. Yeah, so there we go. I, I imagine this sample size went busy at the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do work. Yeah, yeah. go away, go away, Rob. <laughs> what, what, why, why are you asking me these questions? <laughs> yeah, it was. You must say yes or we go away. Yeah, it was a bit like that. Okay. The trouble is, though, even I know this, August, he's pretty much forgotten. <laughs> Nothing about him lives on. Well, where, where do we start with Augustus? All future emperors bared his name. As a title? Yes. I mean, yeah. OK, to be fair, Augustus was a title given to him rather than a name, but he is known as Augustus. The month? Well, yeah, so I was going to come into this. The month May, I think. Oh, honest. May, sorry. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you've got a month named after him. He's arguably the most recognisable figure in Roman history. It's an adjective as well. You can be quite an August person. Yes, yes. August. Although that's where Augustus came from. Oh, is it? the other way around. No. No. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, as, as I was saying, re- recognisable. That statue of him with mm. his arm raised... Yeah, it is very recognisable. You see it quite often in films and TV shows, even when they're set in the Republic age. <laughs> Just <laughs> nice. because that's what a Roman statue should look like. Excellent. Yeah. If, uh, if I remember correctly, the amazing bromance, which was on Channel 5 recently. Bro- yeah. <laughs> that had a statue of Augustus in the middle of their cardboard wobbly set. Nice. Yeah, so... <laughs> There you go. I mean, he just pops up everywhere. Impact. I mean, the entire empire is his impact. And therefore, everything that followed on from the Roman Empire comes from him. Mm. Or is it? (gasps) Are we saying that Roman history would have been unrecognisably different without the one person, Augustus? Or would it have followed a similar path, just with different names? 
just because he was there at the start, does that really make him the impact? Or was it just a, a cultural shift going on within Rome, and he happened to be at the forefront of it? It's the whole the, the butterfly effect, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's tricky. Is he given too much credit, is what I'm asking. I, I mean, this, from what I understand, with my vast knowledge of Roman history, yeah. is he, he had a certain personality type as well. Ruthless, almost yeah. psychopathic. Yeah. As in, just wants to get the job done. And... Workaholic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I am agreeing with that. I think not many people would have mm. been able to have achieved what he like if, did. If you'd swap them over, if you had, say, Tiberius was the first official emperor, yeah. and then maybe four emperors later, Augustus became the emperor, mm. I think he still had a massive impact. Yeah. No, I agree. I think if you put Augustus in Nero's slot, the mm. year of the four emperors wouldn't have happened. No. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think it is always hard to judge someone like Augustus, but I think he definitely does earn mm. a lot of credit in this round. And what we're doing as well, we're doing things we don't normally do. We're dealing with hypotheticals. Oh, we are. We, are. we, we, we don't we want to never, get to that rubber hole. <laughs> we never ever speculate, no. do we? No. Okay. Um, he uh, transformed the city of Rome itself, the famous quote being, he left it a city of marble, mm. which, uh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> bit of flash. That's a bit of impact right there. Interesting facts. And it's still there today as well. I've heard it is, yeah. Probably yeah. can still visit Rome now. Yes, you can. Okay, interesting facts. He broke Alexander the Great's nose, <laughs> which is just a brilliant little fact. Okay. Yeah. When he went to visit Egypt, and we'll see when, when we record our Cleopatra episode later, um, he visited Alexander the Great's tomb, and he accidentally snapped Alexander the Great's nose off. Oh, so he just nutted him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going right to be better than you. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. He was a bit ruthless as well. He deserves those opprobium crazium points we gave mm -hmm. him. Now, I must admit that when... Uh, Doing the very early episodes, I didn't quote as much as in the later episodes. No. We just and started off. We just started off. And I remember telling you that he tore someone's eyes out. <laughs> yeah. And for the last few months coming up to the semi-finals, I've just been thinking, did he, did he actually tear someone's eyes out? Because you just don't imagine Augustus doing that. So I have now actually got the quote where we Excellent. got it from. And it comes with some other stuff as well. Ooh. Yeah. So, back to good old Suetonius. Yay! Once, for instance, while addressing a soldier's assembly, at which a crowd of civilians were also present, he, being Augustus, saw a Roman knight named Panarius transcribing his speech. He had him stabbed there and then as taking too close an interest in the proceedings. I mean, I get annoyed when someone looks over my shoulder, I'm doing something, but... Yeah. Wouldn't kill him. Just imagine next time Ofsted came into your classroom. <laughs> <laughs> you just have him stabbed there. <laughs> <clears throat> Horrified little faces. 30 yeah. faces just... Carry on, children. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. So, he did that. But this quote continues. A spiteful comment by Afer, the consul-elect, on some act of Augustus's, provoked Augustus to such frightful threats that after... Afer committed suicide by jumping from a height. So he scared someone into committing suicide. Wow. Yes. And then here we go. There was also the case of Quintus Gallius, the praetor who, while paying Augustus his respects, clutched a set of writing tablets underneath his robe. Augustus suspected that he had a sword, but dared not have him searched on the spot for fear of being mistaken, so presently ordered an officer's party to drag him away from the tribunal. 
Gallius was tortured as if he was a slave, and though he confessed to nothing, Augustus himself tore out his eyes and sentenced him to death. Because he kept a few scrolls, a few wax tabbers under his robe. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd have ramped up his crazy score. I still scored reasonably highly for crazy. Um, Yeah. He was not a serene philosophizing emperor that perhaps sometimes he is seen as. He certainly had his temper, did Augustus. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Infamous Notorious for him. Well, he's remembered by every... Even I knew the name Augustus. It's got to be Tenmil, hasn't it? It it can't not be. I think the only people that can beat him are people who are not actually emperors like Julius Caesar. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a ten. And finally we have... Constantius III! Back to the focus group. Have you ever heard of Constantius III? The reply was, and I quote, probably not three. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) it's not looking good. Let's face it, no one's ever heard of Constantius III. Along with Gallienus, he is the emperor that I knew nothing about when we started this podcast. Yeah. But found that actually it was really, really good. Mm. Yeah. So his name has not stood the test of time, but did he have an impact? You could very easily argue that he kept the West going for an entire generation longer than it would have done without him. Yeah. Now, this raises so many what-ifs that it's impossible to go through them, but unquestionably, our history would have been quite different had he not have been in charge. That's true. Shorter podcast, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that being the biggest impact. Yeah. We'd be into the, uh, the East Romans by now. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That makes a difference. He definitely had some impact. Interesting facts about him. Let's face it, he wasn't really much of an emperor, but a leading general in the vein of Stilicho, Aetius, and Ricimer. Yeah. The difference being, he actually managed to get to the top job. So he counted, so we did an episode on him. What's really bizarre in my mind, though, is that Stilicho, Aetius, and Ricimer are actually quite well known, or at least in Roman history circles. Whereas Constantius III, I wouldn't say is as well known as those three, despite the fact mm. I'd argue he did just as well, and he actually became emperor, which is interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure why his name hasn't stood the test of maybe time maybe if he hadn't as well emperor, as others. It, it would have done. Yeah, maybe, he, because then he'd be lumped in with the generals. I don't mm. know, it's just a bit interesting. Yeah. He also did far more than any other emperor compared to the length of his rule. Because he was emperor for about five minutes right at the end, which is quite interesting. He also provides us with one of the great what-if moments in Roman history. What if he had not died? He was about to go east and unify the empire. Mm. If he'd done that, who knows what would have happened. I think it would have been more unstable in the long run. Possibly. With so much dissolving in the West, it would have just been a burden. Maybe unified, the West would have dragged the East down with it. Mm. Who knows? We just don't know. That's why it's a what-if. But mm. There you go. Um, that's it for Constantius III. Yeah. Infamous Notorious. It's, it's really not good. One. Yeah, I'm going to give him one. Just, just, that's just for his impact he had at the time. Yeah, so that's two. Okay, so recap on the scores so far. What have we got? So, Caracalla scored a total of 12. Valentinian, a pathetic four. Augustus, a mightily impressive 20. And for Constantius, 3, 2. Oh. But now we go into our second round of three. This round where we judge, how did they die? Mortis Memoriae! So, let's look at their deaths. Are their deaths worthy of comments? Caracalla! Yes. <laughs> he got killed while pooing. 
There you go. You practically read my notes. Summary of his death. He was stabbed in a desert whilst doing a poo. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's memorable, isn't it? It is quite memorable. His Praetorian prefect, Macrinus, had received word that it had been prophesied that he would rule after Caracalla. Fearing how his emperor would take this news, Macrinus approached a soldier whose brother had recently been executed and had also just been passed over for promotion. Well, that's a disgruntled <laughs> guy, isn't it? Yes, it is. Macrinus... <laughs> <laughs> Macrinus walking up to this soldier saying, I've got a job. Do you want me to kill Caracalla? <laughs> um, no, actually. I just wanted you to put the tents away, but, <laughs> but now you mention it. <laughs> That would solve all my problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and turns around right then and there, grips sword out and stabs him. Well, he had to wait a little while, because whilst marching, the army stopped so Caracalla could do his business. The army turned out of respect. <laughs> the assassin approached Caracalla and stabbed him. Caracalla died instantly. The assassin was killed very shortly afterwards. Macrina stood by, feigning a shocked look. <gasps> oh, oh no! Gee, <laughs> didn't see that. Probably was quite shocked. So I wanted him to kill him, but not whilst pooing. It's like, it's like morbid. You know, you know how when you know when someone dies and all their muscles relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think? Did it aid in the process, or was it? I don't know. Do you think Caracalla was finished? Do you think he was struggling? Ooh. So maybe it did help slightly. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But that is Caracalla's death. What are you scoring that? This is also this is so subjective, but I, I love that death. I think it's great. Uh, it eight. is it is one of the better deaths. I, I'm going to equal that eight because it is one of the most memorable deaths of all the emperors. So uh, I'm impressed with that. Great. Speaking of one of the most memorable deaths, we now have Valentinian, <laughs> yeah. who shouted himself to death. Yeah. <laughs> A group of Quadi envoys came to see the Emperor to discuss the possibility of Rome maybe stopping invading. Please? Valentinian was invading in retribution after an inquiry had found out that the obvious murder of the Quadi king while dining with a Roman official was clearly the Quadi's fault. Mm. The only obvious outcome of that inquiry. <laughs> One of the Quadi mentioned in this meeting that... They were only invading because Rome had killed their king. Valentinian went nuts. <laughs> he shouted, he shouted, and then he suddenly stopped shouting. Oh. Within moments, he was dead. It was like a burst vest in the brain, wasn't it? Quite possibly, yes. Ooh. There you go. Yeah. It was. It's quick, it's sudden. He was shouting himself to death, which uh, is what Sulla did as well, which is quite nice. Right, yeah. Only he tore his throat open and the, drowned in his blood. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I love that, but I'm not as impressed as Car uh, as Caracalla. Oh, I'm I'm equally. I'm going to go for eight. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to join it. Okay, so that's a seven. Okay, so that is two very good deaths. Mm. Now we've got Augustus. He died naturally in his old age. Boring one. Well, uh, maybe I should mention there is rumor that Livia killed him using poisoned figs. This rumour, however, is clearly ridiculous. There's no indication that the two did not get on well together. Why would Livia have waited to kill him at this point? They'd been married for years. This is almost certainly opponents of Tiberius wanting to smear his mother's name. The misogyny of the Romans obviously really helped to uh, yeah. spread this rumour about. How could 
Augustus the Great or Augustus possibly die. He he's a living god. Mm. Obviously, it was the only woman in the story. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he died naturally. Boring. It's, it's boring. Uh, not even one zero. Oh no no! I'm gonna give him a couple. Uh, why? Because how many emperors managed to die peacefully in old age? That's actually impressive. Okay, give him one then. <laughs> okay. You go for two. I'm going for two. Yeah. <laughs> Too good for him. Constantius three. He died suddenly of natural causes. We have no details. That that's literally all I've got for this. I mean, there's nothing more to say. Uh, um, um, lack I'm, of details. So I'm going to give him one for the fact that he died suddenly at such an interesting time. But he's only deserves one. Yeah, he's only getting one. Yeah. That's from you. He's getting nothing from me. Okay, recap for this round then. What have we got? So Caracalla. An impressive 16, high score of the round. Valentinian, 15, one less, but still a good, damn good death. Augustus coming in at number three. Not impressive, but it seemed to impress you for some reason. <laughs> and last one, Constantius, three with a pathetic one. I, I hasten to add that Augustus' death didn't impress me. Two is still a low score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, right. Now we go to our third and final round which I haven't even mentioned yet. It's brand new. It's Ooh. not from the Roman Republic series. What is it? Historia Ridicula. This round, where we put all four names in a pot, and we both just choose a question, and we discuss it. Nice. I've got my question. Okay. And then you can come up with your own. And we'll put on Facebook an opportunity for you, the listeners, to come up with your own questions you can uh, submit for this round mm. from next week onwards. Okay, so my question is... Okay. Out of these four, right, who would be the best captain of the Titanic? Oh, well, Caracalla would just be laughing at all the third-class passengers drowning. <laughs> Probably pushing them back in with an oar past the water. <laughs> so, so you think Caracalla would have hit the iceberg then? He'd have gone for it. He'd have aimed for it. Isn't there a theory, though, that if the, the ship hit the iceberg head-on, actually it wouldn't have sunk? Y yes, possibly. Um... I remember. I, I don't know if that's true. I remember hearing it somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Um. That that is something that's probably true. And also, if if the Titanic was fitted with something called an azipod, which modern ships have nowadays. What's an azipod? So you know how you get a propeller. Yeah. It's a propeller that's under the water, as where they normally are, but it, it spins three hundred and sixty degrees, and they're both right. there two of them. They spin independently of each other. So it just helps turn the ship. Quicker. Yeah, but it's a much more efficient way of doing right. it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. And if it had them, it wouldn't have hit because it would have had to turn in time. Also, if it had, you know, those um, halogen heaters, that'd be very. If they useful. put those on the front of the ship, like to facing melt, out, melt would have been fine. <laughs> or foam cutter wire, yes, like heated wire, <laughs> carved the iceberg into it. So many safety features they yeah. could have used. Idiots. Yeah. Um, waste on life. But... but yeah, so you think Caracalla would have aimed, for... <laughs> aimed for it. So therefore, the repeatedly, ship... I'm backed up again, then back into it again. <laughs> so the ship wouldn't have sunk. Uh, but would then eventually. He, he would have started throwing people off the side of the ship's yeah. sport. Yeah. So probably not a great captain. Not the great. And re releasing his lion yeah. during, you know, first class dining. That wouldn't be great. That okay. wouldn't be great. I think, I think Valentinian, I don't know, he had his bears. He did, but he was also actually very good, don't forget. He was very good. He, he was very organised. He delegated well. He's yeah. got the count, remember, working for him. Count Theodosius. Lookout. Yeah, and yeah, vampires, but... their sight in the darkness. Nighttime, yeah. So Perfect. Count Theodosius would have seen the iceberg. That's true. Unless he was distracted, you know, biting from his neck. Ah, but Count Theodosius was also dedicated. That's I, true. I think 
if Antinian was on the ship, he would have avoided the iceberg. I don't think he would have hit it. And therefore, he would have made it to America. I mean, the Titanic tried to avoid it. They, just, they couldn't help it. They didn't yeah. have a vampire. They, yeah, exactly. The vampire would have seen it. I mean, the vampire's turned into a bat and is scouting ahead. That's true. Yeah, so... I think he could do quite I, well. I think he'd do quite well. I agree. Yeah, um, okay. Augustus? Yeah? I think he'd be fantastic at it. He'd have planned it ahead. He'd have seen the problems in advance and sorted that problem out before he got there. There'd be no icebergs in that sea. <laughs> he, he just wouldn't have gone through cold water for a start. Well, no, exactly. He'd have yeah. sent a gripper. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> he wouldn't even be on the boat. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. <laughs> Damn this injury. <laughs> if only I could be there with you. And let's face it, if I'm trusting anyone to do any job in history, it's a gripper. That's true. There's no way. Because when you first said Augustus would have made it, I was like, eh, would he? Well, I don't know. No, a gripper would have done. Mm. A gripper is getting across that sea. Yeah, definitely. He would have installed the halogen heaters on the front. Yes. Yeah, he definitely would I have. I agree. Done. Yeah. So there we go. So Augustus, uneventful, he's still in Britain. Agrippa gets everyone to America. I, I just think about it as well, just think about the misogyny of the Romans. Yeah. It wouldn't be women and children first, would it? <laughs> no, it really wouldn't. <laughs> Men on! I don't know. Did they have this sense of, of chivalry? I've not really read that anywhere. But well, sh- the idea standard. of chivalrous behaviour is sort of like medieval yeah, but it, myth. It, it's not really... It, but was there that sense in Roman times... Just thinking back to the sources, they do mention women and children dying and how that is more tragic than men dying. Children so, also, I reckon, yeah. they're the future of soldiers, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe I've just been too cold-hearted here. Maybe. Maybe it depends on which emperor was in charge. Yeah, it's true. Caracalla was probably... His policy was Caracalla first, Mr Stabby second. Yes. <laughs> I need all the boats. <laughs> Sir. Yeah. All of them. And then, obviously, the soldiers. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Scorn everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Screw you guys. Okay. Final one. Sanchez three. Um, I, I think he'd have tried, but I think he's the captain that would have just clipped the iceberg like in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. He would have done a very good job. He would have been about to save everyone. Yeah, like they clipped the iceberg. It started mm. to sink, and he it's says, dramatic now. "Hang on, everyone. I've got a great idea." <laughs> and then he suddenly drops down dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like the end of the Italian job. Yeah. 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 So, (laughs) summary of that then Caracalla sinks but saves himself and the soldiers. Yeah. Valentinian misses the iceberg, gets there successfully. Yeah. Augustus doesn't bother going, sends a gripper, everyone gets there successfully. Constantius clips the iceberg, almost saves the day but dies. Yes. So, who wins? I think Valentinian. Yeah, I think so. I think Valentinian would be there. Yeah. I think Valentinian wins that round. Well done, Valentinian. Good Uh, show, sir. Are we giving points for this? Or is this just aid our feeling? It's just aid aid feeling. Right, okay. Well, that was my question. What's your question? If you could put Caracalla, Valentinian, Augustus, and Constantius three in a giant kitchen, who would cook the best meal? Ooh. Who'd be the best celebrity chef? <laughs> <laughs> ah, so it's not just how good were they at cooking, but also well, their know. persona. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who's the Gordon Ramsay? Who's the Heston? Right, okay. Who's that weird American guy? <laughs> I know no celebrity chefs at all, so uh, I'm going to struggle with this, but... Okay, let's go We'd have to compare them. We just discuss Let's say Caracalla. Meat eater. Yeah, I am seeing Caracalla doing a big sort of steak barbecue style. Yes. Yeah, here's how you cook your meat. And a big blooded butcher's apron with a massive axe. Yeah. Cleave, cleaver. But he did, I mean, he did eat with the soldiers and uh, 
ate their rations. The soldiers loved him. So he also knew his simple, basic foods mm. as well. But, but if he's cooking for his army... Uh, I'm guessing it's big chunks of meat. Yeah. In not gravy, but just the blood of the meat <laughs> and his enemies. <laughs> not a vegetable in sight either. No, no, they've all ran away. They're sitting in a cornfield as well. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> meat. Yeah, so I think he'd do that. And also, he'd have the bonus of uh, being the bad boy chef. People would <laughs> like him. He'd use a lot of cusses. A bit like Gordon Ramsay. Uh, yeah, I think he would. He'd. Uh, but instead of he'd swear once, that's it. <laughs> if he swears at you, you know you're not leaving Hell's Kitchen after that. No. You're leaving life. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think that's that's how his celebrity chef ship okay. would go. Yeah. Valentinian. I see. I, I see him as more the shouty, sweary chef. Oh, bit, a yes. bit of a bit of a very finickety. Wants everything perfect. Yeah, I totally agree. He walks into the kitchen, it's absolutely on his head. So I think it's going wrong, he sorts it out by shouting. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I agree. He is the shouty one. And occasionally he drops down dead, um, this shout, <laughs> which, yeah. which is a bit of a disruption. Yeah, it would yeah. be. Yeah. Oh, and bears as waiters. <laughs> yes, bear waiters. Little collars on. Oh, Pour up, holding a tea towel over the side. <laughs> they just follow him around like bouncers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what would he cook? Um, I think a, a, a wide range. I think Valentinian. Quite a posh. Yeah, I think Maybe so. Maybe tapas. <laughs> Maybe tapas. Lots of different things. So yeah. Keeping the other chefs busy. You, know, you do this, you do this, you do this. Yeah, he was a good delegator, wasn't he? So mm. A wide range. Maybe an all-you-can-eat restaurant, which <laughs> yes. uh, does foods from around the world. <laughs> like it, yes. Yeah. He's well-travelled. Yeah, so maybe that. Okay, Augustus. Well, he'd be sitting in the, the dining room waiting whilst Agrippa's cooking. Yeah, obviously. Agrippa's in charge of the kitchen. Augustus is out front welcoming the guests, mm. doing all of the uh, the front-of-house stuff. Concierge stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think it would be a well-run, polished restaurant that just keeps going and going. He, he's the, this, this is um, Kitchen Nightmares now. So he walks into a kitchen that's getting there. He does it up. Yeah. This kitchen starts in wood, ends in marble. <laughs> yes. Marble tops. <laughs> yeah, marble tops all throughout the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything's really efficient. All the modern equipment. Yeah. 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 No, I think that would be a well-run um, kitchen. I imagine soup. For some reason, I've got a soup in my head. I don't know why, for Augustus. <laughs> a soup specialty. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. No, I like that. Constantius three. Oh. Again, he's trying to sort this restaurant out that's falling apart. There are rats, rats in the cupboard. I, I think there's a chain of restaurants, and they're all... <laughs> defecting yes <laughs> they're all trying to go independent <laughs> he's trying to pull them all back together burger bars yeah yeah he finally catches up with the gothic restaurants and settles that one but then there's yeah. other problems and finally sorts it out and then he drops dead then, then he's got a new menu idea yeah it's gonna revolutionize the whole thing everyone's yeah. happy after this says hang on lads i've got a great idea it's in the back i'll just go and get it <laughs> then everyone else is waiting outside there <laughs> it's been there a while I want to go check. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's gone green. They walk in. He's just on the floor next to him, an industrial-sized can of oil. Oh. Landed on his head. Oh. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So, <laughs> who's got the best restaurant, then? I think Augustus would have the best restaurant in this. Yeah, I think Augustus would have the best restaurant. Although I do quite like the meaty barbecue restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Scary, though. Yeah. Very, very scary. <laughs> They've got those challenges that if you can finish your meal, you get to leave. 
Yeah. I, okay, I'm going to agree. Augustus wins this round. Okay. okay. So that is our three rounds for the semi-finals. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, now we need to choose who goes through. Now, we're not using the points as a strict highest scorer goes through, but the total scores for this semi-final are... Caracalla has a total of 28. 28, not, not bad. bad yeah. Francini has a total of 19. Mm. Augustus, 23. Oh, not as high as Caracalla. No, it's his death that did it. Yeah. And Constantius, 3. Ironically, 3. Oh, dear. And Valentinian and Augustus both win in the Historia Ridiculi round. Yes. Okay. I think it's fairly obvious to say, then, Constantius 3 is going out. He was out ages ago. I do like Constantius 3. I think he's very interesting, but I think this is as far as he can get. The fact he got to the semis is very impressive. Yeah. So well done, Constantius 3, but you're now being fed to the Lions. Anyone else who's definitely going out? No, I think we need to discuss the last three. The last three have merits, but I have one that is definitely behind the other two. Is it Caracalla? No, it's Valentinian. Really? Valentinian? Yeah. Why? I don't think at this stage in the semi-finals, just being all-round competent is good enough. And yes, he's got the Bears and the interesting death on top, which is why he got to the semis. Yeah. I don't think that's enough to get him into the final. Okay. I think this is a competition between Augustus and Caracalla. Augustus for just being Augustus and Caracalla for being a scary, scary man. Yeah. So yeah. unless you disagree with that, I'm going Val, to say okay, we knock that. Valentinian out. Sorry, Val. Okay, he's off to the Lions. <laughs> okay. Right, I'm, I'm genuinely torn here. <clears throat> Augustus and Caracalla. Now, the last couple of times we've, we've did the, we did the quarterfinals, a lot of controversy, especially in the last one, Communist and Domitian. Wow. Yes. People Ooh. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Although the uh, online poll was very, very close. Mm. It really was. There was only a couple of votes between mm. Domitian and Commodus mm. and Hadrian. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all three of them came wow. very close. So it was a tough call. Is, but I, I think people think that, oh, it's not, it's not about being the best emperor, it's about being the most interesting emperor. Yes, exactly. And Commodus is interesting. Whether you like it or not, he's more interesting <laughs> than Domitian. <laughs> I would personally disagree, but the coin toss was made, so yep. I'm not going well, to argue I with it. win, and he's going right to the final. That's for damn sure. <laughs> right, I am going to say, though, no coin tosses in the semi-finals. No, I agree. We, we, even if we're here for three hours, <laughs> <laughs> shouting at each other, <laughs> pulling hair. Yeah. 15th bottle of beer. Yeah. Right, well, let's face it. Augustus created the empire he was hugely successful. He reigned for a long time. He was also a bit crazy, if you mm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Caracalla, he, he just, it's just the image of him. He stands out. He was a scary man. And it is a fascinating story of brotherly love. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you love could try king. and sell it. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously Augustus is the better emperor. There is no doubt but is he the more interesting? It, de it depends where your interests lie. Caracalla, crazy-wise, and death and killing-wise, always far more interesting. Augustus, political fighting, manoeuvring, mm. um, expanding the empire, yeah. also very, very impressive. I think what's going to swing it for me is not Augustus, but Octavian. I think Augustus's rise to power is fascinating. Yes. He's a small sickly boy yeah. who's suddenly told you're the heir of Caesar everyone around him including his parents say do not accept this <laughs> you will be killed immediately and he defeats everyone yeah 
And that rise to power is phenomenal. And not yes. only that, he stays there long enough to mould an empire. I've got my decision. Augustus has got to go through, surely. I agree. Okay. As much as I love Caracalla, Augustus has to go through. I'd like to think, though, that Caracalla will happily slide himself into Mr. Stabby. <laughs> No, I think he'll kill the lions. <laughs> I'm actually scared for the lions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a shame to let Caracalla go. He's been brilliant. But been uh, it's time to say goodbye to him. Augustus, perhaps inevitably, is in the final. Yes. Well done. So, that is it for our first semi-final. Thank you for listening. And, like I say, we're put on Facebook. If you want to come up with the next questions for Historia Ridiculi, then uh, post your thoughts up when yeah. we, uh, we ask you on Facebook. We'll also be doing the listener rounds for the semi-finals on Twitter, which I will read the results out next time. I forgot to bring them with me today, but never no, mind. That's right. Yeah. So, thank you very much for listening. We have been Totalis Rankium. We have rankiumed them good. This is a new sign-off for Totalisly. <laughs> Don't We've forget... suddenly you... <laughs> developed right at the end. <laughs> Revolving. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also download us from Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Yes. Thank you for doing that. And don't forget, for as little as $1 a month, you can join our Senate and have access to our Republic episodes. And that's very exciting. Yeah, huge incentive, because you will have access to the Cleopatra episode, oh. which we have not yet recorded, but we're literally about to, as soon as we press stop, we'll be pressing go again, and recording what will possibly be our longest ever episode. Oh. There's a lot of words to get through. Okay. <laughs> but it's good stuff. I'm excited. Good. It better be us. <laughs> I'll do my best. Right. Okay. So, thank you for listening. All we need to say is watch out for that iceberg. Caracalla first. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
He scraped him! Here, damage you got damn Asperg! Damn it, who's the captain here? Hit your Asperg, you hypocrites! Who's the damn captain? Oh, I can see, well, there's one of the tubbies that, oh my god, it's Caracalla! Caracalla? He's looking damn scary. What's he doing here, Chad? I don't know, but he's laughing. He's laughing. He's staring. I'm scared. Look how he's poking the children off the side. He's using the big oar. Don't know why he's got an oar. It's a steamboat, but hey. It's just horrific. It why is, is he doing that? He's setting fire to the boat. He's setting fire to the lifeboats as well. There are people in there, man. That's despicable. I don't see how he's going to survive it. Oh, oh, he's out, Mr. Stabby. It's a... And Mr. Stabby's trying to clean off the side. He's swimming away now. He's still smiling, man. He's still smiling, Hank. It scares me. This boat is not looking good shape. Nope, its nose is dipping in and the ass is sticking out. Oh, it snapped. It snapped clean in two. I didn't know that would ever happen on a boat. This is horrendous. Look at all the people screaming. It's terrible. You can see the animals trying to get out the side. They two bears? Why are the bears on the boat? This is awful. Well, that's it. The boat's gone now. Oh, wait, wait. Oh! Careful here. Oh, Hank, I'm in the waters. Chad, pull me up. Oh, I'm holding you. Don't let go, Chad. I won't let go. Don't ever let go. I mean, there's plenty of room to join in this iceberg if you want. Just don't let go. I won't let go. Just fall asleep. We'll be fine. You're letting go, Chad. I'm, I'm, I'm not letting... I'm not letting... Oh, oh, I let go. Oh, he's gone. Fixed it.